Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, a sports podcast by the Kansas City Star. I'm Blair Kirkhoff. So this is the first time I've hosted this podcast since late November. That's when I was diagnosed with something called hairy cell leukemia. Yeah, I'd never heard of it either, the hairy cell part, but there it was coursing through my veins. I've been mostly laying low since then, but I'm feeling better. The doctors say things are trending in the right direction and I'm ready to get back to work, at least on a limited basis. It starts with today's podcast. No better way to re-engage than talking with sports columnists Vahe Gregorian and Sam McDowell. Sam's new to the post and he's off to a great start. We discuss his new role at the Star and the three of us talk about what's making headlines these days. The Chiefs, always. Sam takes us through what they could be thinking with the current roster and in free agency. We also chat college basketball. The Big 12 and SEC tournaments approach with KU entering the event at T-Mobile Center as the top seeded team, while Kansas State and Missouri entered the tournaments in preliminary round games. So how secure do coaches Bruce Weber and Conzo Martin feel about their jobs this week? We talk about that. Okay, let's get started on Sportsbeat KC with Vahe and Sam. Okay, where were we when we last uh, podcasted together, guys? Um, well, I'll tell you where we were. I know exactly where we were because I, I listened to, to it recently. It was the Chiefs-Cowboys post-game show, basically, of Sportsbeat Live. And, um, and that was the, the weekend before Thanksgiving. And the idea was to take the rest of the week off uh, for Thanksgiving break. As it turns out, uh, I took the next three and a half months off. And uh, But let me just tell you how happy uh, and pleased I am to be joined by Vahe Gregorian and Sam McDowell, the two columnists, sports columnists for the Kansas City Star. And that's something that wasn't true. Uh, at least half of it wasn't true three and a half months ago. So uh, Vahe, great to see you as always, and Sam McDowell, welcome aboard uh, as the new star columnist. Appreciate it. It's awesome to be here. Um, I, I told Jeff this when he made this official, but I, I really don't know any other place where this would have worked out, and that's mostly just because of the people I work with. You guys know, but they probably don't know on the listeners that I am not afraid to ask questions to you guys pretty consistently. Um, and that's, that's purely the reason why, why I think this all happened. I mean, I don't think I'd be here without constantly asking people questions who I felt like have, have long known more than I have about how to do this job. Um, I, I need to respond to the point about Thanksgiving and just say, Blair, first and foremost, uh, I think we're all giving thanks just to, to see you after all this long slog and to have a chance to be with you in this capacity. It's very uplifting. I couldn't be more grateful for that. I can't be more grateful than to see Sam in this job. And of course, uh, the other Sam, uh, let's see what he calls you junior or two point, or you call yourself 2.0. Right. The other guy, we miss him a lot. Um, but I know he's thrilled to see you in this seat too. And, and, uh, so we got a lot to be thankful for. Yeah, we have to the Sams in this process, uh, <laughs> said a bit farewell to Sam Mellinger, who, uh, is the vice president of communications for the Kansas City Royals and doing a smash up job, by the way. Uh, <laughs> we've, got, we've got that ball rolling. <laughs> it's uh, quite a time to be communicating. <laughs> uh, hey, I wanted to cover a lot of topics with you guys uh, because, look, we could have 
there's Chiefs, there's, there's conference basketball tournaments, and we can talk a little bit about what's going on in baseball. Sport in Kansas City got its first win. The, the current's about to get going. But let's, um, before we do, let's go back, Sam, to you. Uh, you've been at the Star for 10 years, about, right? Is it about 10 years? Yeah, it'll be 10 years in um, August. And I think what's cool about what you're doing now is you've done everything, a little bit of everything at the Star in terms of your coverage menu, high schools, uh, the, the soccer scene, um, the men and the women, um, you know, some uh, obviously chief beat writer for the last two years, along with Herbie T.O.P. And, you know, you took your your turn out at uh, Kauffman Stadium with the rest of us covering Royals games and, and doing features as well. So it's just uh, it, it's great to see somebody who is of the area and, uh, and, and, and and getting the job that that you have gotten. And that was a little, that was true of Sam Mellinger as well. Sam is from the area. And yeah. it was it's neat that they. Um, uh, they replaced one Sam with another who has um, a lot of uh, local knowledge. You know what it is to be a Kansas City sports fan, and I think that's a great advantage to you. Yeah, I grew up going to the games. Um, I mean, what, what's interesting is I, I never really anticipated being a columnist. I, you know, I, I, I when I got into the business, I, it was my goal just to work at the Star in some capacity. So I felt like ten years ago when I started here, like that was what I wanted to do was just work at the Kansas City Star and. As, as you guys know, I mean, Blair, you've written a lot of columns on colleges, too, that, you know, it's it's a different form of writing. And so I just had never really stepped out into the, this world that I'm doing now. And I, I think and sometimes it probably shows more than others that it's new to me. But, um, you know, I, I always loved writing features on all those beats. And I loved writing about the people aspect of sports. And I do think that there's a greater opportunity to, to do that in this new role than ever before. Well, you've always had an opinion. Now you get to, now you get to type it and see it printed. <laughs> well, what what really hurts me is so many times I've I've made the joke to Vahe. You know, if I was a columnist, I would I would really go after this. <laughs> now I can't make those jokes anymore. <laughs> it's like the old thing about the uh, the assistant coach moving to the head coach's seat. You never knew how, how different that that seat looks yep. <laughs> when, when you only, move over. It's only eighteen inches away, right? <laughs> <laughs> So, um, all right, let's uh, let's let's jump in a little bit. Well, actually, what we'll do is talk a little bit about some of the, the the most recent things that you each have written because they were terrific columns and uh, of, of great interest. Let's let's start with let's stay with Sam. Uh, the, the the Sunday column, Sam on the Chiefs, and you were at the combine last week, and and you listed kind of five moves that you think they should make. Some of them sort of general in in purpose, but um, you did drill down on a few positions like defensive line and, uh, and that wide receiver. So what your, your very first one was the defensive line, something that I don't think we think about when we, we consider how the Chiefs lost in the AFC championship game to the Bengals. Just, you know, you didn't, the, the blame didn't go to the, to the defensive line when it probably, they probably should have shouldered more than their, yeah. Um, you know, what, what they were credited for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that the defensive line, when, when you take Patrick Mahomes baffling second half out of the equation is probably second on the list for the reasons they lost that game, because it was their most distinct advantage going into the game. And they got one sack and you look at the, the two games around it, the sandwich that game, they had 16 sacks, you know, with the Titans and the Rams. So, 
Um, that is one that they will, you know, that that's the step they're going to take. You know, they're going to overhaul the defensive line. I think it's by the end of it, it could look similar to the offensive line, except you still have Chris Jones in place where the offensive line last, last summer just got a total overhaul. Um, but um, I think those other ones on the list are a little bit different than maybe the chiefs thinking, you know, I, I think they're so focused on the defense that the wide receiver too is a, is going to be considered a luxury or a bonus. And maybe they look in the draft for a receiver. Maybe they look in the second wave of free agency, but I, I think you stack what's best too. You know, I think if you have the opportunity to make either side of the football, the very best in the NFL, that you should take advantage of that. I mean, I, the, the chiefs are still a top five offense, but they're no longer the very best offense in the NFL. And I think it's because they don't have a counterpart to what Tyree Kill does. I mean, if a, if a team is going to consistently prevent him from doing what he does best, you've got to find somebody else who can really punish the underneath stuff if they're going to drop their safety so deep. Sammy Watkins did a little bit of that in his time. Yeah, yeah. With the yeah. Chiefs. Um, yeah I, 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 I agree. I, I do think that they, you need someone in between Hill and Kelsey. Um, maybe that's not the best way of putting it, but someone along with Hill and Kelsey to be a, to be a major threat. I, I agree with that. Um, back to the defensive line a second. Do you expect, um, you know, what is the expectation for Frank Clark and, and Melvin Ingram? So uh, Melvin Ingram, I think, is going to have to decide whether or not he wants to play another year. And if he does, I think Kansas City will be attractive to him. Um, with Frank Clark, you know, he's, he's got a, a significant cap hit they can save. I think it's $19 million by by releasing him with the post-June 1 designation. But there's also a wiggle number that he, I, I think Frank Clark wants to be back. I should say that up front. And I think there's a number that they could potentially find to where this cap hit is, is, is pretty similar based on a restructuring of a contract. And that's why you haven't seen him released yet, because I think Frank Clark is going to have the opportunity to at least gauge, and when I say Frank Clark, I mean his representatives, to gauge what else could be out there in terms of an offer. And based on the way he played last season, my answer to that is probably not much. Um, I could see Seattle being interested in bringing him back, um, but not for a significant guaranteed contract. So if his agent last week at the Combine determined that there's not a big market for Frank Clark, perhaps something more of a restructure makes sense. Um, and I, I think that if they do that, he's got to come back in a little bit of a different role. You know, I don't think he can be a guy that you count on to play every down because that was a real weakness for the Chiefs last year is getting pressure off the edge. And we're recording this on Monday. There was some yeah, reports. Thanks, thanks for the heads up, just in case uh, we, we learned in an hour that Frank Clark has been cut. <laughs> 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 well, the reason I bring it up is um, that uh, there are some reports nationally that Orlando, the Chiefs are going to apply the franchise tag to Orlando Brown, which was, listen, if that's true, that just uh, confirms the speculation that we all had. Um, right move for the Chiefs to franchise tag Orlando Brown? I, I don't think you can give up what you gave up last offseason and then not not keep him around for more than one year. I mean, that, that was too much to give up for a rental um, Orlando Brown also got better as the year progressed. You know, we know that he'd played left tackle before, but not for a guy that drops the way Patrick Mahomes drops back. Um, so now Mahomes made adjustments as well, you know, which is an adjustment he's long needed to make as far as moving up in the pocket to account for the way Orlando Brown, because when he gets beat, he gets beat around the edge. But I thought Orlando Brown, based on what I saw in training camp, had a better season than I anticipated. I thought he was going to struggle based on what I saw in camp. 
and he got better as the season went on. I don't see how you could have traded for a guy like that and expected him to be better than, than the season he had. It's Sam, one thing, and I know you've thought a lot about this, but you've seen it up close in so many ways. And I find this whole process so interesting. I mean, I believe you have a real sense of how the dominoes have to fall, how the dominoes have to be set up. X, Y, and Z have to be accounted for before, you know, A, B, and C can, can happen. I, it, do you feel like there's a sequence coming here that we ought to understand? I mean, maybe it starts with Orlando Brown. Um, how, how does one thing affect the, the next into the next that, as you see it? Well, you do have to be under the cap by the time the New Year uh, league year starts next Wednesday. So right now they do not have the cap space to account for whatever that franchise tag is going to be. It's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 17, 18 million bucks. They don't have the, they don't have that much cap space. They're going to have to make a subsequent move before next week to account for that. Whether it is what we mentioned before, cutting Frank Clark, um, if you give Tyree Kill an extension, which there they are in negotiations with him about keeping him around long term, that can create, I think it's another $13 million. You also could convert, you know, the way Patrick Mahomes, the brilliance of his contract really is it's all in bonuses, workout bonuses, roster bonuses. You can convert that and, and pay that down the road instead. Now, the danger in that is you, you can get yourself in a bind in later years. So I think based on conversations I had the last week at the combine, they would prefer to try and eat some of that bonus this year, but they've got to make other moves in order for that to happen. If they get in a spot next week where maybe the Tyree kill extensions hit a snag, I don't anticipate that, but maybe they do. Maybe they want to keep Frank Clark around. Um, Not at that number, but maybe there is a number that, that makes sense. And therefore the move is, is to look at Patrick Mahomes' contract and try and kick some of that money down the road. Of course, you know, free agency opening next week, it depends on who else you want that might be out there as well, whether or not you got to make some of those moves. It's a deep draft, I keep reading, um, that, uh, that has plenty of, been pretty good on the defensive side, but I'm, I'm not sure difference makers are going to be available for the Chiefs when they draft unless, unless they move up, right? And yeah. Mike Beach is, is, a, is a general manager who – tends to move up. He's, he, he doesn't go back. He moves up. So um, I suppose that we'll certainly talk more about the draft as it approaches next month. But um, I, I just don't know if the draft is going to be able to produce somebody for the Chiefs that can make an impact where they need it the most uh, this time. Yeah, because the, you know, the, the, there's sort of a good news, bad news there. The, the good news is that where the draft is deep is where the Chiefs have positional need. It's deepest at edge rusher, um, but the, the top premier talent, immediate impact talent, exactly what you said, Blair, those guys are gone by the top 10 picks because that's a premier position. So I do think if they want to get somebody who's going to solve their problem and not be a project, they would have to move up. Now, they have an extra third round pick because of the Ryan Pohl. They got compensated for Ryan Pohl's getting hired by the Chicago Bears as a minority hire. So they do have an extra pick to work with there if they wanted to potentially move up. But to me, the broader story here is the fact that they need to be collecting draft picks because of those contracts we just mentioned. They're going to have to have cheap labor and productive cheap labor on their roster. And the only way to do that is is to collect draft picks and not give them up. Uh, If they can duplicate last year's draft when it comes to success of uh, half of half the draft class turning out to be uh, pretty useful. <laughs> and, uh, and talk about cheap labor. That's, that's exactly what the, the Chiefs hope to get out of every draft. But 
Um, but la last year has proved to be pretty, not, not pretty, but very uh, productive for, for the Chiefs. Hey, let's take a break. And when we come back, we've got some college basketball, some Royals and some sporting and current to discuss. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 bucks unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash KC with KC offer Sam McDowell and Vahe Gregorian. And as always, Vahe, you're at Allen Fieldhouse on Saturday to watch Kansas at the moment um, uh, win its uh, 20th Big 12 championship in 26 seasons of the league. And of course, a couple hours later, Baylor beat Iowa State, which moved the, uh, the championship into a co-situation. Baylor and Kansas each finished 14 and four in the Big 12. Kansas gets to be the number one seed in the Big 12 tournament that starts on Wednesday, but quite a game at Allen Fieldhouse. For, for Kansas to win that game, shooting with 31% for the game, didn't look good at all offensively. The the uh, conference player of the year, as we just found out, Ochai Abaji was missed his first 10 shots and was one for 11 from the field. And they still managed to be the ranked Texas team. So uh, what was, obviously the, uh, the, the mood was great and uh, it's Kansas, it's senior. One of the incredible stats that came out of that game is they went to what a 39 game winning streak on senior day. Um, isn't that something that's incredible. Let's start with that because that that I, I guess I had kind of vaguely known that, and you know, just last year they beat number one Baylor on Senior Day to extend it to thirty eight. But you know, you don't get to schedule Patsies on Senior Day. I mean, it, that that's eleven of those games. I think eleven is the right number, including the Baylor game last year and Texas game this year were against ranked teams. So I mean, uh, to put it in perspective, I think Jesse Newell told me he wasn't born um, when, when they last lost a senior senior day game. I think Larry Brown was the head coach. Um, so that that's a little bit of a testament to something. And, and, and the other thing that I appreciate all the big 12 titles they've won, but it took on a little different dimension to see 20 of them out there on the court. They brought them out on the court for the senior day speeches, like 19 of them out front. And then of course this, the variable of this 20th one. So look, hats off to them. Um, this was a, a kind of a, a rotten game to watch. I mean, there was just, a, but but it was always close. And neither team led by more than six until until overtime when and KU ended up pulling away by seven. Um, I do think it says something about a team that has been mostly really good offensively to kind of win by grinding it out on a horrible offensive day. Now, what we don't know is whether um, uh, you know the wisdom of my column that this this says how they. Uh, how they're going to be able to go forward and tells us, uh, we don't know if that's going to last until Thursday. Um, if they lose Thursday or, you know, or Friday, then you start thinking, well, uh, as Sam McDowell knows, it only matters if you're right when you said it. Um, so, so we'll see. 
five days is a long five days is a long time to be relevant. But you know, we're on to the next if uh, if it if that goes that way. But I but I do think I mean when you've got when you're shooting thirty one percent and and Ochai is missing his first ten shots, um, and everything's just kind of out of whack, and you still win against a pretty good team that beaten you three times in a row. That's a good day, and so. It, it, we're not going to care about that game if they don't do something in the tournament. And, but I do think it's the kind of game. It's a little bit of connective tissue for a, a program. Uh, if it's, if, as it tries to put traction into March. And so we'll see, we'll see what it means. I'm obviously looking forward to the tournament this week. There, there's a lot, uh, a lot of subplots here in Kansas city. Um, but, but is there any story that we care about more than uh, them? Maybe, maybe the K state um, Bruce Weber situation will, will loom large. Uh, but I think those are our big storylines, aren't they? They are. And we'll talk about Bruce in a minute in, in Kansas State. In fact, uh, Kansas will play the winner of the 8-9 game with uh, between Kansas State and West Virginia. You've got um, – there is no uh, – it's a 19 it's a tournament this year because Oklahoma State is not eligible because of its NCAA probation. So for the first time in quite a while – um, there's, there, there, there's a missing man formation at the big 12 tournament. And, um, years ago, Baylor was, was not in the big 12 tournament because of the problems it was having. And it was an 11 back when the league was at 12, it was, it was an 11 team tournament. So Blair, you probably remember this. Remember the year Missouri was on probation, ineligible to play in the NCAA tournament, but eligible to play in the big eight tournament. I do and, remember. And, and won it. Did win it, so the automatic bid uh, was was lost for the Big Eight that year, and fortunately, that was one of those years. Like most of the years, they go Big Eight. You had multiple teams that uh, that made it as an at large. But you're right, and but what a you know what a good thing for Norm Stewart's guy. That was sort of the ultimate Norm Stewart um, stick it to him game. I mean that that tournament. Like you no, know, I'm not going to to the national tournament this year, but by golly, we're going to win in Kansas City, Missouri. yeah you know today we always talk about coaches needing to manufacture motivation (laughs) norm never had to manufacture it (laughs) or or he was a factory of it you know and just uh (laughs) i remember sorry we're really going down a rabbit hole here but i remember norm being upset that uh sesame street live was uh getting the hearns hearns center floor for practice and you always knew it was trouble with Norm if he took out a little piece of paper from his pocket in his post game because he wanted to read a statement. And I swear he addressed Big Bird specifically and said, you know, I'm, my granddaughter's a big Big Bird fan. But, you know, do we really have to be relegated to the rafters for, for this? <laughs> so he could find a cause. Yes. Yeah, he could. As, as well as anybody. Um so how do you so you left feeling okay about KU's chances in the postseason? Because I'm I'm kind of not there with with this team. And uh, maybe listen, college basketball. I, I don't know if there's Gonzaga is terrific. Obviously, I've seen at their best. Kentucky uh, good enough to win the national championship. Auburn uh, also in that uh, you know in that category. I don't, I don't I don't think Jesse thinks Auburn's in that category. <laughs> <laughs> Does he have them in the top 25 this week? Or <laughs> do they stay in? Hey, look, to your to your broader point on this, 
look, it's it's a little to me, it's a little bit of a coin toss. I think they've got some stuff going on. But, you know, I think we were talking about this informally the other day. You know, we look at point guard play is pretty essential in, in the NCAA tournament. And I, I'm not sure they have what they need there. Um, I and, you know, you mentioned Kentucky. Well, part of your impression of Kentucky is blasting KU at Allen Fieldhouse. And that, that's that just in itself is a bit of an outlier for what we might see with a, a stellar Kansas team. So I, I feel like they're a sweet 16 team with a chance to get to the final four. I don't feel like they're a final four team that's going to win the national title. I guess that's, that's kind of how I see them. Okay. All right. I, just, I wonder if they should have, you know, Remy Martin's been hurt for basically the entirety of the big 12 conference schedule but he's been back for these past couple of weeks and we saw it on Saturday where he didn't even play in the second half. And I understand you've got a, a conference championship at stake this past week and a half, but I think if your goals are to win in March, he deserved to be a part of the rotation because your Kansas at their best includes Remy Martin because they need a point guard who can score, like who can get into the lane with regularity. And Dewan Harris is not that he's got a, ton of great traits but that's just not one of them and so I, I think I would have sacrificed if if that's even if, if you even give up something there I would have sacrificed something over these past two weeks by seeing what I had in Remy Martin and what what he could have provided my rotation well maybe that's what Bill Self will do in the Big 12 tournament is give Remy Martin just kind of force feed him some minutes yeah. to, to um, get him a little more comfortable it's it's it, it is a shame for Remy though to you know, to, to transfer to Kansas, uh, become the Big 12 preseason player of the year, and uh, and then be beset with this um, injury that, that kept him out for more than half of the season. So, hey, let's, uh, as I said, Kansas would play the, will play the winner of Kansas State and West Virginia. Is this Bruce Weber's final stand in Kansas City this week? Uh, Sam, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think it is. Um... And I'll actually be writing about this at some point this week, but I think the K-State fans have had it better over the last 10 years than they might get it over the next 10. Um, and especially when, if they get rid of Bruce Weber or, or if, if, you know, maybe, maybe they end up calling it a retirement, whatever. Um, but they've won two conference championships in the last 10 years. No other team in the big 12 outside of Kansas can say that. And I don't think when you look at the, the program rankings, you think that K-State should be second best consistently in the Big 12. Now, the, the, the last three years, I think, is what you point to and say they're 13 and 41. Vahe and I were looking at this up last night. In the Big 12 alone, the past three years, um, they've improved this year, but only because the past two were that bad. Um, it would be a third straight losing season. Um, I still think Bruce Weber's a really good basketball coach who's not recruiting enough talent to coach. Um, so I think that's what hurts them in the end. And, but like I said, I do think it's a little bit of a warning that it might not be better um, than what it's been under Bruce. I like this I think, team. I liked a lot of the players on this team. Um, Nigel Pack just named first team all big 12. So he's, there, there are some pieces. It's a better team than the previous two, but for sure. uh, I, I'm with you on this, Sam. I, I just, um, it, it, it's not happening for Bruce Weber in that hat. Yeah, bye. You know, just this, it, it's really along the lines of um, what Sam said, but Sam made this point when we were talking about this the other day that, 
I mean, we're not talking about his third, fourth, and fifth seasons. We're talking about his eighth, ninth, and tenth seasons. And I know people were reluctant to accept him because of Frank Martin, you know, the way that happened, all this. But even when people were reluctant to accept him, he had a completely defensible record for seven seasons and six peaking in the sixth season with the elite eight run. And, but now I think, I think you've, you've lost this. The case is lost. I mean, when, when you're that far into a program and you, and it's sputtering like this, what is, what is the selling point? What, what's the, you you made a good point, Blair, about you know, Nigel Pack. Or, I mean, there's, there's guys, but you don't feel any sense of traction. Um, and I think that's, I think that's the problem. And I think it's been kind of understood behind the scenes that this was sort of a prove it year for him. Um, not sort of, this really was, is a prove it year for him. And um, it's just been too disjointed. Yeah, it looks, I think if this, if this ends up being the end for Bruce Weber, we'll look back on that NCAA tournament loss in 2019 to Cal, I think it was Irvine, right? The, um, their first round loss, they were upset the year they, they, they were co-champs with Texas Tech, and, um, and that was sort of the beginning of the end for uh, – it was a 4-13 game, I think, in the tournament. So, and, um, and, and they just haven't been anything like that since, since then. So uh, let's switch it up. We haven't at all talked about Missouri and the SEC and Conzo Martin, and there's another coach that's certainly on the hot seat, uh, Conzo Martin at Missouri. They're the – uh, 12th seed taking on um, Ole Miss, the 13th seed in the, in the opening round of the SEC tournament at Nashville. Uh, I just sighed. I can't believe I did that. I, I promised myself I would not <laughs> sigh on this podcast. Uh, Put it up on your computer screen. Right, just sighing. Don't sigh. But, uh, Actually, we missed the sigh, Blair. But the reason I'm sighing is because uh, I think like everybody else who, uh, who knows Conzo Martin, you want good things for him personally. I don't think that's going to be the case when the season ends for Missouri. I don't think Conzo Martin will be the coach at Missouri after this year. Would be wrong, but that's my sense. What about you, Bahe? Where, where do you come down? I, I, that's I've come to feel that too. And you know, just again trying to look at data. Um, I had the number in front of me. Now I've lost it. But you know, Missouri is his record is is really just so problematic after, after all, all these years. And you got to put it in the context of modern Missouri basketball too. Missouri moved to the SEC a decade ago, has not won an NCAA tournament game since going into the SEC. And it has not won a, a conference title since 1994. And I, I realize that's kind of ancient history in a way, but, but, you know, there was a time where Missouri was a perennial top 25, top 30 program. And with some top tens in there and some heartbreak that might have other, gone otherwise and gotten them to a final four. And that's just that's just not here right now. And the, a, a problem really is, I think I use this term about Bruce Weber, but I feel like and it breaks my heart to say it. I got to interrupt and say this because nobody wants to see Kanza succeed more than I do. I mean, I knew him in high school. You know, you guys know this. Go, go a long way back with him. We all ad- admire how honorable he is. Frankly, I think he's got a higher calling than, co- than coaching college basketball. Um, but I just feel like there's no traction. I don't, I don't feel like y- you can say, well, this is what we're going to hang our hat on. Uh, that's a great reason to bring him back. And I realize, at least as we understand it contractually, that's a pretty hefty buyout. 
but I think it's also true that um, that numbers are negotiable, and that um, there's people with money. If it if it comes to that, I, I don't. And you have to consider things like all the lost revenue from the apathy around the program. I mean that that's all part of this matrix. So it gives me no pleasure to say it, but I I I think that there's a pretty compelling case for Missouri to move on. You know, I, I don't. College basketball's changed so much, right? Just in the last couple of years, not only in name, image, and likeness, but the transfer portal. There's there's conditions that exist in college basketball today that weren't there a few years ago, and some have taken full advantage of it. And Conzo Martin and Missouri just haven't taken full advantage of those. It doesn't seemingly not taken advantage of them. I, I, yeah, I think you're right. And I, I'll just say one last thing. I think one way or another, Conzo's values are, are what they are. And he's a, but he's a little quaint, uh, if, if that's the right word, in terms of, I, I don't think he's really gotten deep into the NIL the way we thought he might. I remember Blair, we were there talking to him at Chicken and Pickle a couple of years ago when NIL was about to come out. And I, I'm sure this is true. He felt like it might be an equalizer um, if, you're, if you're a coach who doesn't go into the gray areas. And I, but I don't think it's proven to be that way um, for him. And, and I don't think he's had a great taste for the transfer portal either. I mean, certainly things haven't, I don't think you'd say they've really prospered by it. Let's put it that way. All right. Well, I was uh, hopeful that we could get to some sporting, uh, some current. Sam Mewis, you wrote the column, Vahe, about the uh, woman chosen the, the, the best soccer player in the world in 2020. Uh, but we have run out of time. And we're going to have to pick up those topics the next time that we chat. So great catching up with both of you guys, Vahe Gregorian and Sam McDowell. And we're going to do this again on a semi-regular basis. But it was just fun for me to, to talk sports with these guys. And, um, and thank you, Bahe. Thank you, Sam. Thanks so much, Blair. So great to be with you. That'll do it for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks to Sam and Vahe for the conversation. Also, a tip of the cap to producer Monty Davis, who assembled the parts and turned it into one fine recording. I'll be back next week on a more regular schedule to talk Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, The Current, The Colleges, all things sports in Kansas City on Sportsbeat KC.